Good morning, everybody. It's great to be here. Everyone's doing well this morning, I hope. If not, hopefully we'll be doing better even after this service. What a great time of praise and worship. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, you know that song that Rob asked them to sing at the end was uh, the exact song that, I, song that I asked Lisa to sing at the end of the service as well. So uh, the, the Lord is in it. This is good. Today, I want to talk about praise and how praise is not about me or you. Uh, or any of us, although we're very much involved in praise. We're going to be looking at Psalm 150. So feel free, feel free to turn there or click there or Google that or whatever it is that you do. Um, before we get into that, I just want to share briefly three reasons why learning about and knowing about praise is important. The first reason is that the praise and worship part of our service takes up a big chunk of the service. We spend a decent amount of time singing songs at the beginning of the service, and then we have our offering announcements and sermon, and then we sing some more at the end. Um, So we spend a lot of time doing this. So it's important for us to understand why it is that we do that. Secondly, this whole praise and worship component of our services has really undergone a, a dramatic transformation in the last 50 years. Um, Especially in the early 70s, with the Calvary Chapel movement, with Chuck Smith, not this Calvary Chapel, the more famous Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. Um, And you had all these Jesus people uh, coming to the Lord and writing their Jesus music, and they wanted to sing their Jesus songs in their church. Uh, Not necessarily the songs that all the other churches were singing. And they started writing all these songs, and, and you get this... Like, seek ye first the kingdom of God. That was one of the first really popular ones, according to my understanding. And Maranatha music was born out of this. And they produced, I don't know how many albums, Maranatha, one, two, three, four, five. They're probably up to 93 by now. Uh, I'm not sure, but they're still producing music. And then in the 80s, you have Vineyard with John Wimber, and you have artists like Brian Dirksen and David Ruiz, and, and songs like Refiner's Fire and Lord Light the Fire Again, and, and uh, Your Love is Amazing. And they're still writing music. And then in the 90s, there's this church in Australia, Hillsong, with the Houstons. And Darlene Check writes her Christian blockbuster, Shout to the Lord. Um, and uh, out of that came Hillsong United, and, and uh, we still sing some of their songs. Um, what a Beautiful Name It Is came out of that. Uh, you have Marty Sampson and Joel Houston and so on. And if, if I know my history correctly, I wasn't a part of Calvary Chapel here in the late 90s, but uh, I think Delirious was pretty dear to the heart of this church. And uh, so with Martin Smith and their cutting-edge music, and, and I could sing of your love forever, and, and did you feel the mountains tremble, and so on, many, many other songs. And the Passion Conferences started then as well with Louis Giglio and, and artists like uh, Chris Tomlin, David Crowder, Matt Redman, you know, what evangelical church today does not sing Chris Tomlin? How Great Is Our God? And many, many, many other songs that he's written. Uh, and then Bethel Music in the last 10 years has really um, become a lot more well-known. And, and Jesus Culture and Brian and Katie Torwalt and, and Brian and Jen Johnson and, and Amanda Cook, who used to be Amanda Falk originally from Niverville. Um, we, we have all this incredible music. And, and in this movement, there's been a, been a real push to experience God's presence in worship. It's been amazing. It's been fantastic. Uh, uh, and I think that's because the Spirit has, has really um, been present in, in, in these movements, drawing people to himself and, 
and uh, and music comes out of that. And because of that, um, there's this there's this desire to meet with him on an intimate level during our praise and worship time. And so, because of of how things have changed so much, it's important for us to understand what praise is and what worship is. And finally, uh, it's important to understand praise because the word talks about it. And especially in light of it being such a significant part of our services uh, and in light of the changes that have taken place in the last 50 years uh, in that whole area, it's, it's really critical for us to understand what the word tells us about praise. So let's read Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and flute. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So we're going to work our way through this psalm and and pick up some of the ideas that that are shared there. The first thing that we read there and the last thing that we read is the phrase, praise the Lord. We find that in a number of other psalms as well. Now, what is the Hebrew word that's translated praise the Lord? Anyone? Anyone? Hallelujah. Very good. Hallelujah is translated praise the Lord. So this word hallelujah is made up of like three-ish parts. So you have the the verbal root, halal, which is the praise. It's the verb, to praise. And then you have the u, which is um, the the conjugated verb. So it means it's second person. It's talking to you, first person me, second person you, third person he or she. So it's saying you praise, and it's in the imperative form, which means it's supposed to be understood as a command. You are called to praise. You are commanded to praise. And Yah is a shortened form of the name for Yahweh. So you are commanded to praise the Lord. You are called to praise the Lord. So when we read this, um, we, we use the phrase praise the Lord sometimes as uh, an expression of praise itself, which is fine. But when we read it in the scriptures, the way we're supposed to understand it is that we're, we're being called to praise. It's not simply an expression of praise to God himself. It's actually instructing us to praise. You need to pray. You're called to praise. We're commanded to praise the Lord. So then what is praise? Looking at how this word is used in the scriptures and uh, various Bible dictionaries and incorporating um, what they say about the word, here's a definition of praise for you. Praise is when you celebrate, thank, or honor somebody else for who they are or what they've done in a way that's seen and or heard. I'll repeat it. Praise is when you celebrate, thank, or honor somebody else for who they are or what they've done in a way that's seen and or heard. All right? So with that, I'm not really going to focus on the worship part, although praise and worship, there's a whole bunch of overlap. But just to give you an idea of kind of the difference of the the word meanings, worship, um, the, the picture of worship in the scriptures is bowing to somebody else and acknowledging that they are greater than you are. That's kind of the picture of worship. When we're worshiping, we're often praising. When we're praising, we're worshiping. So there's, we often say praise and worship and put it together, and that's fine. Today I want to focus on the praise part of that. The celebrating, thanking, and honoring someone else for who they are and what they've done in a way that's seen and or heard. So there's a couple of things 
that I want to clarify that aren't praise. Not that they're not important, they're just not praise. Let's picture ourselves at a wedding. Let's say we're at Rob and Jackie's wedding. And I'm the best man, and you guys are the guests. So one of the jobs of the best man is to give a toast to the groom, usually. It's basically a praise speech. So my, my time comes to, to give my speech, and I go up to the mic, and I stand there, and I think really good thoughts about Rob, and I feel really good feelings about Rob. And then I go and sit down. You would probably all be wondering, he must have forgotten his paper, or what happened? See, that, it's great, it's important for me to think those thoughts and feel those feelings, but that's not praise. It needs to be expressed. It needs to be seen and or heard in order for it to be praise. Otherwise, it's not praise. It can be meditation uh, and so on, and those are important parts, but if it just stops there, it's not praise. Praise has to be demonstrated, seen and or heard. Now, if I go up to the mic and I say, Rob, would you give me $1,000? And tomorrow, I realize you're on a honeymoon, but tomorrow, could you come and help me finish framing my garage? Would you do that for me? I would love it if you would do that for me. You would all be thinking, that's inappropriate. Not that giving requests is inappropriate, but in the context of praise, asking the Lord to do something on our behalf, a request, a prayer request, isn't praise. It's important. It's critical. We're told to do that in the scriptures. But praise is all about celebrating, thanking, and honoring someone else for who they are and what they've done in a way that's seen and or heard. So it's not about us. It's not about focusing on us and our needs. Now, we do that. We need to do that. But that's not praise. The second part of verse 1 says, Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. So this is... This is the place of praise. This word hallelujah, what I didn't mention is that ooh there in the middle, second person imperative, it's not second person singular. It's not you, Matt, praise the Lord. It's you, all of you, praise the Lord. In the scriptures, when we read about praise, it's primarily to, uh, to be understood as a corporate event, not a, not a me and Jesus time. It's a us and Jesus time. That's how the scripture presents praise. We're corporately called to praise. It says in the sanctuary there, praise God in his sanctuary. The sanctuary was a place of of meeting with God, but it was a very public place. It's where sacrifices were made. When the tabernacle and temple were built, there was constant activity there. Uh, In fact, uh, in the temple days, there were singers that were specifically put there to to praise. So we praise publicly. We, We praise uh, together, we come together. Ephesians 5:19. Uh, Rob quoted the one in Colossians. Uh, there's a very similar verse in Ephesians 5. It says, "Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs." And so, this idea of there being this this interaction among us in praise is scriptural. So, if if we come in with the idea that we're just a bunch of individuals praising the Lord who just happen to be in the same place. That's not really the picture the the scriptures give us. The scriptures say, Calvary Chapel, praise the Lord. All together, we're as a team. Just like our hockey teams, which didn't perform as well as I had hoped they would. 
But it's not a bunch of people who just happen to be skating and playing hockey on the ice at the same time. They're actually together in this whole effort, working towards a common goal. And so it's, it's not even the worship team and us watching them. And, you know, I might be preaching to the choir because there was a good amount of participation happening here this morning. And, and I, I loved it. But it's, it's not about the, the worship team doing the worship and us watching. It's actually all together. We're all together in this. And we come to participate together. Nearly every morning on our way to church, I'll tell my kids, guys, what are we going to do when we get to church? Participate. Yes, we go to participate. And I tell them, if we're not going to participate, we might as well not even go. What's the point? We can watch sermons online. We can listen to music on our stereo. Why would we come just to watch Lisa and the band lead us in worship? What's the point, right? We're, we're actually called to come and participate together. We all have a part to play in this, this praising the Lord. So it's a, it's a corporate time of praise. And again, it's not about me. It's not me individually. It's actually not even us. Not a, the focus isn't on us. But we're in this together. Together we're called to praise. Verse 2. It says, Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. So this is the person that we praise. His acts of power. His surpassing greatness. Again, in our definition, we're celebrating, thanking, and honoring someone else, the Lord, for who he is and what he's done. So who he is, his surpassing greatness, what he's done, his acts of power. Who is this that we praise? I mean, there's really no end to what we could say about him, about who he is and what he's done. He's the creator. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the lover of our soul. He's the redeemer who came and died on the cross and endured the most brutal death so that we could be with him in eternity. He's worthy of our praise because of who he is and what he's done. It's not about me. Hebrews 13 uh, tells us that we're to continually offer a sacrifice of praise to the Lord. There are um, two things about sacrifices that I think are important for us to, to be aware of in the context of praise. The first thing is praise costs us something. Sacrifices cost us something. If it doesn't cost us something, it's not a sacrifice. Uh, when people came and brought sacrifices, they had to bring from their flock or from their herd or, or whatever it was, from their pile of flour and wheat. Um, so it has to cost us something. So what does it cost us? Well, obviously it costs us some time. Costs us some energy, some effort. But perhaps the greatest thing that it, it could potentially cost us is our pride in, in praise. And, you know, when, when I was younger, I still find certain expressions of praise difficult to participate in. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but, man, and you, get, you get into these, these modes of thinking that, oh, what are people going to think? What are they going to think about me? But that's not praise. If I'm watching Matt praise, which is actually appropriate, it's fine to see other people praise. You know, I used to think that praise were, praise were the songs where you kept your eyes open and worship were the songs where you kept your eyes closed. But that's, <laughs> that's not the biblical understanding of praise. But anyway, uh, if, if I'm there to watch Matt praise, 
It's okay if I see him, and that's fine. We're doing this together. But uh, it's not about him, and it's not about me. If I'm self-conscious in, in my expression of praise, what am I thinking about? My focus isn't on the Lord and who he is and what he's done. My focus is on my own pride and and uh, am I going to maintain my dignity in this? You know, David, he danced with all his might before the Lord. And in doing that, he was ridiculed. And what did he say? I'll become even more undignified than this. And that was because he was bringing the, the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. He said, it doesn't matter. This is about the Lord and celebrating him. It costs us something. The second thing about a sacrifice is that they were told they needed to bring their best. It wasn't the leftover lamb. It wasn't, nobody likes that one, let's sacrifice him. It wasn't, oh, that one's got two heads, let's just... Right. It was the best, and often the firstborn, unblemished, the best. So when we come to praise, we're actually called to bring our best, to bring our best. This isn't about, you know, if, like in school, okay? Our, our target might be, if I can just get 50%, just so I can pass. Just want to pass, get my credits, and I'll be done, right? That's obviously not the goal in praise. To just, God, what's the minimum you're pleased with? Like, what, what's, what, do, my hands, is this high enough? Right? Nothing wrong with putting your hands, I'm just saying, like, it's, it's not trying to get away with the minimum, right? We're called to bring our best, bring our best to the Lord. Another way to bring our best, um, it, you, you might be someone, uh, I don't come to the nine o'clock services usually. Um, there's a couple of reasons for that, but uh, I'm often connected with the Catholic church in, in Otterburn from 930 to 1030, but um, I'm not Catholic, by the way, just to clarify but um you guys are early morning people good for you Uh, anyway it might take you a little while to kind of get warmed up to engage in praise right like by by song two or three it's like okay now i can really enter into praise and that might just be who you are and i i get that there's a psalm and I actually don't have a reference. I think it's Psalm 100, verse 4, I think. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. So we're ready to praise. We, we're called to be ready to praise the moment the time of praise starts. So that's not to say we can't visit or whatever before the service. Certainly that's okay. But when the call to praise goes out, we're ready to give our best right then. Not wait till Psalm 2 or 3. Being slow to enter into praise isn't a virtue in the scriptures. So let's be ready to give our best. If, you, if it takes time for you to warm up, maybe put some music on on the way to church or at home as you're getting ready and just actually talking about preparing beforehand. There's nothing wrong with practicing your praise before you come to church on Sunday. The worship team does it. Why not the rest of us? We're in this together. So practice engaging in praise. Let's be prepared to bring our best and continually offer the sacrifice of praise for who he is and what he's done. Verses 3 to 5, I won't reread them, but they, they give us a number of different ways of expressing ourself, ourselves in praise, the presentation of praise. So this is the focus on the, the seen and heard component of praise. 
there's this scriptural principle that that kind of says faith starts, you know, in the heart and mind, but it's manifested in the body. And God gives us an example of this, many examples of this. When he created the world, it doesn't say, and God thought, let there be light. And God thought, let there be an expanse between the waters. And God thought, let the waters be gathered and let dry ground appear and so on. It says, and God said, he actually spoke it. When the plan of redemption was being worked out, you know, Jesus, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane asking the Father, you know, if, if there's any way that you could take this cup from me. Like, I don't really want to endure the crucifixion and bearing the wrath of God. I would rather not do that, but your will be done. And he did it for the joy set before him. But that was a difficult thing to go through. None of us can imagine. But what never happened was Jesus saying, you know, I think I'm just going to be crucified in my heart. He actually physically had to go through it. He physically came in the flesh as a baby. He physically lived out his life. He physically was crucified on that cross, physically died, and physically rose from the dead. He carried it through in his body. It wasn't just something he thought or something that was in his heart. It was carried out. And we're called to do the same things. In Romans 10.9, it says that we confess him as Lord. We're to confess him as Lord. Yes, believe in our heart, but also confess him as Lord. There's action involved. Um, James 5.16 says we're supposed to confess our sins to one another. Not just think our sins. Think about our sins. Confess our sins. First John 1.9 also talks about that. Confessing our sins. Using our mouth. Faith without works is dead, James tells us. The faith that's inside of us has to be manifested in the body. The greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, what does that look like? It's not just, you know, sending positive thoughts to God, whatever that means on Facebook. Sending positive thoughts your way. Great. How do I get them? I... <laughs> right. um, or, or, you know, having warm fuzzies or, or whatever in your heart. That's all great. But what does loving him actually look like? And there's many passages that he clarifies this, but particularly in John chapters 12 to 14, there's several places in there where Jesus says something to the effect of, if you love me, you'll obey what I commanded. So this is the whole faith without works. If you, if you have love for God, if there's faith inside of you, it has to be manifested. It must be manifested in the body. It, it starts inside of us for sure. But it has to come out. It must come out. And this is the reality of praise as well. Yeah, it starts inside of us. You know, we focus our mind on the Lord. There may be feelings, there might not be, I don't know. But we focus our mind on the Lord, and then we manifest our praise. It must be seen and or heard. We don't need to be good at any particular expression of praise. That's not what the scripture says. It doesn't say you have to be good at this before you can participate in it. Now, the leader is supposed to be good. First Chronicles 15.22 says Ken and I was put in charge of the singing because he was skillful at it. So the leaders should have some sort of skill in leading the others. But the rest of us, if we have skill, let's use it for sure. But if we don't have skill, it doesn't disqualify us from engaging in praise. You've all seen people try to clap on beat. And they have no idea how to do it. But at least they're clapping. Right? And actually the scriptures... 
whenever it talks about clapping, it never says you need to be clapping on beat. Nowhere in there does it say that. All right? So, if you want to clap to praise the Lord, do it. doesn't matter if you're way off. All right? You don't need to be skillful at it. But you need to engage with your whole body. Um, biblical ways to praise. Again, this mentions some in, in Psalm 150. Most of them are instruments that are mentioned there. It does mention dancing. Uh, the previous five Psalms also talk quite a bit about praise and uh, a number of other places in the scripture as well. Uh, but here are some biblical expressions of praise. Shouting, which we sang about. I think I heard someone shout. Kneeling, bowing, uh, which we also sang about. Lying prostrate, Clapping, playing instruments, singing, dancing, standing, raising hands. Those are probably the main ones. There there may be a few others. But these are the biblical ways to express our praise to the Lord. These are the ways that the Lord has told us, this is what I want to see you guys do. This is how I want to see and hear your praise. Right? So, when we hear some of those things, particularly the shouting and the dancing, maybe even the raising hands... Sometimes we can think, you know, that's really just not my way of praising God. And you know what? I get that. I grew up not dancing in church. I'm Mennonite to the core, as most of us are here. And uh, just not a dancer. And then I read in the scriptures that I'm called to praise the Lord with dancing. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is not about me. That's right. It's not about me. This is how you want to see me praise you. This is what brings you joy. This is what honors you, what celebrates you. Okay. So I will dance. This is usually how I dance. I'm not very good at it. I'll even put my hands up sometimes. That's like, that's like two in, in one. Hands up and dancing. Okay? You can dance like this too. The Jewish uh, people at the Wailing Wall, they dance like this. It's about engaging the whole body. That's the idea. Now, I get that there's physical limitations. Sometimes we just can't do that. But you might be able to, maybe, stand there, hold the seat in front of you, and just go like this. You might be able to. The point is, give them our best Put our whole body into it. Doesn't mean you have to be dancing all of the time. My opinion is that if Lisa would say, okay, congregation, let's dance, that we would all be like, all right, the leader has instructed, let's participate. Let's do it. And I, I get it that we're like, oh, I'm not comfortable doing that. But you know what? Worship isn't about being comfortable. Praise is not about being comfortable. Praise is about celebrating, thanking, and honoring the Lord for who he is and what he's done in ways that are seen and heard, in ways that he's told us he wants to see in us, corporately, together. If we were all dancing, the odd one out would be the one who's not. Then they would look funny, right? That's not what we want to have happen, but in terms of other people looking funny, but we're called to praise. So if, if there is not, if one of these things like dancing or whatever, if you're like, that's just not my way, Make it your way. Make it your way. Be willing to engage in praise and celebrate the Lord in the way that he's told us to. Bring that sacrifice of praise. Sacrifice your pride because why? It's not about me. 
It's all about Him. And praise is a great way to sacrifice that pride. It's wonderful. It doesn't feel very good, but it's great. And it puts us really into that place of worship. God, you're greater than I am. You're greater than I am. Verse 6 says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. This is the prerequisite of praise. The one condition that has to be present in order for you to praise is if you have breath. Which I think most of us here do. Hopefully all of us. And that one person just isn't sleeping, or is just sleeping. There's still breath in there. If you have breath, you are commanded to praise. So, it's not dependent on whether the praise and worship is any good. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes we go away from services and we're like, man, that was good praise and worship. You know, I, I just, I wish Lisa would lead all the time. Because she's just so good at it. Or whatever, whoever. Greg or Corinne or whoever's leading. And sometimes there are times where it's like the band is just on and there seems to be just a, a more of a tangible sense of God's presence and, and people maybe more than normal, are are really engaging and praising, whatever. Maybe your emotions are more involved than usual, and you're like, that was really, really good. And those times are wonderful. But if it's not like that, that actually makes no difference in terms of our call to praise. It's not dependent on whether or not it's good praise and worship. In fact, Psalm 66, verse 2, says that we are to make his praise glorious. We're the ones who are supposed to make it good. That's our job. Make it glorious. When he looks at Calvary Chapel and sees us praising, you know, is he like, oh, that is glorious. They're putting themselves out there in praise. This is great. Secondly, engaging in praise and worship is not dependent on whether I feel his presence. Now, again, this, this, uh, this real movement in the last 50 years of, of really experiencing God's presence and, and pushing into that is wonderful, and we experience his presence so many times. And he has promised, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So, you know, we shouldn't be surprised to sense his presence. But there might be days where you're like, I just don't feel the Lord. But you know what? That doesn't mean he doesn't see your praise. And that's not a condition for us to engage in praise. We still praise, he still sees it, we still make it glorious, we still bring our best. And he's still honored by it. It's also not dependent on whether or not we feel like praising. Psalm 103, verse 1, David says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. He's commanding his own soul to praise. It's not, he's not saying, soul, if you, once you feel like it, feel free to engage in praise. No, praise the Lord, O my soul commanding himself to praise. And I get it, sometimes we're in a really tough spot. Maybe those are the best times to praise. It's not dependent on our feelings. The condition is, do we have breath? Then we praise. And finally, it's not about whether or not I feel led by the Spirit to praise. The Scriptures don't tell us, only praise when you feel prompted by the Holy Spirit. What's the condition? You have breath, then you're called to praise. So, now sometimes, perhaps many times, the Spirit does prompt us. Okay, now's a good time to praise. Let's get, let's get going and praise. And so we participate in that. 
This is also true of the various expressions of praise. We don't need to wait to feel led by the Holy Spirit to start dancing. We don't need to wait to feel led by the Holy Spirit to start raising our hands. Did you wait to feel led by the Holy Spirit to stand up when we were invited to stand this morning? That's an expression of praise. Did you feel, did you wait to feel led by the Holy Spirit to start singing? That's also an expression of praise. So we don't need to wait to feel led by the Holy Spirit to raise our hands, to kneel, to dance, to shout. Now we need to use our judgment, our wisdom to know when it's appropriate and when it's not. Uh, if you all started shouting right now, I mean, that might be a good thing, but uh, I can't finish my sermon then. Uh, but it's not about me, right? So I guess that's okay. So uh, I don't have to feel led to be faithful to my wife. I don't have to feel led to help the poor. I don't have to feel led to be baptized. These are all things the scriptures lay out very clearly. I don't need to wait for the prompting of the Spirit because there's already the prompting in the Word. It's not about us. It's all about Him. If we have breath, we are called to praise. The last thing I want to touch on, which Psalm 150 doesn't really go into, but uh, is an important part of praise, and this is the power of praise. When we pray to God, we don't want Him to... If I'm asking for Him to provide something for me, I'm not hoping that he'll just think it in his mind or feel it in his heart. I'm going to provide for you in my heart. Like that, he doesn't do that. I'm wanting him to actually do something tangible in my life. I would like to see that provision or see that work or hear that word. I want him to demonstrate whatever it is I'm asking him to do. And that's what he's calling us to do as well. And I believe that when we celebrate God in ways that are seen and heard, he seems eager to respond in ways that are seen and heard. See, praise motivates people. If I say, Rob, you are an incredible preacher. I am uh, not sure that I should be up here because you're an amazing preacher. And every time you preach, it's like, it's amazing, right? Kelsey, thank you for being a faithful sound man. That's wonderful. Matt, thanks for leading us in prayer this morning. That was really, really good. Aaron, or Aaron, Jeremy, two become one, right? So you can call them either one. <laughs> My kids call them Ermy and Jeremy. <laughs> anyway, thank you for drumming. You're an amazing drummer. You're faithful. You just, you just help add that much more to praise. When you feel, when you hear that spoken to you, that's a motivator. It's like, oh, you know, you, it just does something inside of you. You feel good. You, you want to do more. You want to help that person more. You want to bless them more. I believe that's part of us being created in God's image. I believe he's motivated by praise, not in a manipulative way. He sees our hearts. He understands if we're trying to manipulate him. He gets it. But when we're genuine in our praise, I think, I think he's looking for opportunities to engage with his people. To come and meet with them. And if, he, if he's like, okay, you know, if it, are they going to praise me? Yes, okay, I'm in. And I want to do things among them that's seen and heard. There are two biblical examples. First Chronicles, or sorry, Second Chronicles chapter 20. Uh, Jehoshaphat is king. 
and the Edomites and the Ammonites and one other group. I forget who. It might be the Hutterites or the Mennonites. I'm not sure, but I can't remember who. They come against King Jehoshaphat. Oh, it wouldn't be the, I guess it wouldn't be them. We're all pacifists, right? So anyway, they, they, they come against King Jehoshaphat and he seeks the Lord and, and he, he gets his people to start praising as they're heading into battle. He gets them to start praising. And it's, it says specifically, I think it's chapter 20, verse 22. It says that when they started praising, the Lord came down and he wiped out the enemy fought the battle for them and they got all the plunder. He responded to their praise and he defeated the enemy in a way that was seen very tangibly. In the New Testament, we have uh, Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas are in prison and they start singing praises to the Lord and the earth shakes and the doors are open and their shackles are removed. They praised and the Lord responded and broke their chains, set them free. Now, the story, there's more to the story, but he moves. I believe that he desires to respond to our praise. When we engage in praise to celebrate, thank, and honor him for who he is and what he's done, which is what we've done this morning already, and we'll have more opportunity. When we do that, in ways that are seen and heard, not just in our hearts or in our minds, but demonstrated, I believe that he's eager to respond to that and defeat the enemy in our lives and set us free from chains and bondage. Let's see what the Lord will do. Let's see what the Lord will do when we engage in praise to him. If he doesn't do anything, we still are called to praise. But I think he's eager to respond. So we're going to have an opportunity. Let me just remind you of different ways we can engage in praise. Shouting, kneeling, bowing, lying prostrate, clapping, playing instruments, singing, dancing, standing, raising hands. So I'm going to invite you to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's the call to praise. Let's pray. Father, you are worthy of our praise. You've called us to praise, and we have the privilege of engaging in praise. You've showed us how you en en enjoy for us to praise you. You've told us to make it glorious. You've called us to bring our best. So, God, I want to bring my best. It might not look very pretty, but it's my best. And I want to honor you. We, we together here at Calvary Chapel want to honor you, celebrate you, and thank you. Be blessed by what we bring. Be blessed by our sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen.